And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real, man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 208 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Neglia, on August 23rd, 2020. Here to join me today, I have Bianca Gardner. Hello, I'm not dead. <laughs> Michael Schwartz. Hello. Dan Baer. Good morning. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right, so today we are going to be talking about various news stories that broke throughout the week. We're going to be talking about the reactions to Tenet. We're also going to be talking about three new trailers here, including Sofia Coppola's new film for Apple TV Plus on the Rocks, Death on the Nile, the sequel to Midnight on the Orient Express, directed by Ted and Piranha. I'm sorry. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what movie are you talking about? My bad. <laughs> um, Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking of the Oliver Stone written film. Yeah, Midnight Express. Midnight, Midnight Express. Express. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to see that with Perot. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My whole intro now has lost all credibility. <laughs> In any event, if this is your first time listening, I promise y'all, the vibe here is always this fun. Uh, So, (laughs) we're discussing those trailers, but we're also going to be discussing the trailer for the Matt Reeves-directed film, The Batman, which definitely caused quite a stir last night on social media. And at the very end of the show, we're going to answer some of your fan questions and reveal the nominations for the MVP Film Awards. Now, don't be confused. The MVP Film Community Awards, the nominations for those were announced last week for 2014. This week, this is the staff voted MVP Film Award nominations for 2014. So we have two different ballots being sent out for those. One for the community, one for the staff. Today, it's all about the staff. Keep in mind, though, the ballots for the community, they are still being voted on as we speak, and they are due on August 29th, so we will be revealing the winners of those on next week's show. Pretty, pretty excited for you all. So, before we get into all of that, let's first hear from everyone what they've been watching this past week. Let's start off with Michael. Well, Matt, remember we did so well the last two weeks? You suck. This was the DNC week, so while I didn't watch any feature films, they had a lot of great short films during the Democratic match. <laughs> okay, moving on. Bianca, what did you watch this week? Um, yeah, well, I've been watching a lot of documentaries recently. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed um, watching documentaries this year. Um, I think one of the documentaries which I caught was um, Phil's Good Man. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that great? Um, I've been a yeah, it was okay. I oh. so I felt like it didn't go into some real depth that I wanted it to go into. There were some parts that I think it sort of like skimmed over. 
Um, but it was really fascinating. And now I fully know what a meme is. I feel like I, I can be hip and down with the kids, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I've also caught The Painter and the Thief which I, I really, like really enjoyed. I thought that was brilliant. Oh my gosh, we're like on polar opposite wavelengths <laughs> today, Bianca. <laughs> and I also caught Screened Out, which was a documentary all about um, sort of giving up social media. So yes, I loved it. And another one I caught was The Ghost of Peter Sellers, um, which was all about um, unreleased film um, of starring Peter Sellers, which was called Ghost in the Noonday. And it's so fascinating. And it's um, it features the director of that film sort of looking back about it. And um, it's a really, really great documentary. So I sort of recommend people going to catch that one as well. And I also um, watched Onward, which was really lovely and just really cute. So, I, yeah, it's good to catch up on some documentaries. Nice. Very, very cool. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, let's hear now from Josh Parham. Um, you know, this week actually was kind of busy for me with some other stuff, so I didn't get to a ton of new things. But um, one of the newer movies that I did manage to catch was I finally watched Tesla. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And I got to say... I wasn't that big of a fan of it. Um, I think the biggest problem, though, for me, actually, with this movie really is mostly in the script because I just don't know what the point of this story and these characters are. And I just felt such a such a shallowness there. Like, I didn't really get why I was supposed to be invested in anything that was happening. And I think that some of the stylistic choices that it goes for, I actually think could be more interesting if I cared about what was happening, but everything from like a foundational level in terms of storytelling just feels so, just so not interesting to me. And it was really hard to connect with everything else that was happening. So unfortunately, despite some kind of interesting potential here and there, it never really lived up to anything that was good. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, Dan Bear, what about you? I watched quite a bit this week, actually. Um, I or since the last show, anyway. Um, I I watched uh, <laughs> the teen uh, mental illness slash romance movie "Words on Bathroom Walls," which is um, t- good. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, it, it it it's. It's very stylish and it's directed for the most part really well, but it feels very imbalanced with the um, between trying to juggle the mental illness stuff and the romance stuff. I think it does much better with the mental illness stuff, but the romance just kind of seems tacked on, which makes me sad because uh, Taylor Russell, who was so good last year in Waves, is once again really good in this. Um, and I wish she kind of had more to do, but it's fine. Um, and I also caught Stage Mother with Jackie Weaver. And mm. Jackie Weaver is wonderful in it. She's really, really good. But, oi, this movie. Oi. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, 
I, I know Josh will know what I'm talking about when I say it's such a throwback to the 90s indie gay films. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Oh. Um, and it just, it feels so stuck in the 90s in more ways than one. And like, if you're able to like, like go in knowing that and kind of be like, okay, I know what I'm is setting myself up for you may enjoy it because like it's you know it's charming and heartwarming both with heavy air quotes um in that way but like otherwise it 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 feels like an anomaly that this was made in 2020 because like the the people who need the type of movie this is are not in any way going to be looking for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of sad, but Hey, Jackie Weaver's great. Um, <laughs> and then yesterday I watched something with Mr. Matthew Neglia that I can't talk about. And I really fucking dying to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. yeah yeah can't talk about it but we will have a lot to talk about in a few weeks Um, i'll just say that yeah definitely so (laughs) all right so for myself uh we did a podcast review of unhinged uh this past weekend which um yeah is definitely not going to be the movie that brings people back to the cinemas as Solstice <laughs> Studios was hoping for. What a shocker. <laughs> it, yeah, it's got, it's got a lot of problems. Uh, also uh, caught up with Sputnik over the past week, mm. which I enjoyed. I thought it was lacking like a little spark, uh, just something to kind of push me over the edge to really, really wholly love it. I still enjoyed it for what it was, and I thought it was really, really technically well made, but... There was something that just was preventing me from being like fully enthusiastic about it, especially towards the end. I would say it loses a lot of steam at that point. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, it's also just a tad bit too familiar. Like we've seen this before. Eh, so I mean, I mean, yeah, but I also think that it's meant to be just sort of a pulpy sci fi thriller. And I think if you go in knowing that that's all it really aspires to be, you'll have a good time with it. Okay. Uh, and then also uh, rewatch Birdman for the 2014 retrospective, which um, I was very, very surprised uh, by my reaction to it. I hadn't seen it since 2014 or ever since I bought the Blu-ray at least. And I kind of loved it more now than I did when I saw it back then. And I know that, <laughs> that we had a very polarizing uh, set of reactions <laughs> to it on our podcast review, but it did make for a really, really compelling discussion, one which yeah. uh, lasted for two and a half hours. <laughs> and it's on our Patreon feed. If you guys subscribe for $1 minimum a month, you can listen to that along with all of our other 2014 retrospectives. I can't believe that tomorrow we'll be doing our final one this year uh, for Gone Girl. It's been a tremendous amount of fun doing these. It really has. And that was a very, very fun discussion about Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend people check that one out. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. 
watch it together, and then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiae shut up, here. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I wonder shut who up. the cat can God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. All oh, my God. Go by the Okay, so moving away from what we saw this week, now what we are going to do is we are going to talk about the thing that everybody was talking about the other day on Twitter, and that was the early reviews to Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So there was quite a lot of reactions across the board. It was really, really tough to know what was real, what what wasn't. Uh, what was to be believed ultimately. But I think the general consensus has now started to kind of settle in that the movie is good. It's not great. It doesn't necessarily meet the high expectations that 2020 has unfairly uh, put upon it with the pandemic and COVID-19 and Tenet being the first big, big movie uh, that will be playing in theaters uh, across the country and also overseas. I know, Bianca, you were able to score a ticket for it uh, next week and a few others um, on the team have been able to get tickets for it. I myself here in New York Theaters are not open. Like, I can't log mm-hmm. into Fandango and even buy a ticket if I wanted yeah. to. So I have no idea when I'm going to see Tenet. Uh, but people have, uh, you know, a lot of the big trades uh, were able, I guess, to get people overseas uh, to see it um, at advanced uh, press screenings. And so we got some reviews and they dropped and they were, they like I said, they were good. But they just, yeah, I would say it's more like that interstellar territory, you know, where there are some who really like it. There are some who are kind of in the middle and there were some who think it's a disappointment. But, you know, the admiration is still there in terms of the vision and what Nolan is ultimately trying to do. So it's a Christopher Nolan movie when all is said and done. I'm I'm (laughs) sure that in five years, 10 years time, the reactions won't even matter and the fanboys and everybody else will be hailing it as a masterpiece regardless anyway. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Well, let's be clear. The fanboys were always going to hail it as a masterpiece. (laughs) Well, the thing is that what I like about Christopher Nolan films is that the fact that he is a visionary filmmaker and he does think outside the box. Sometimes it doesn't always work, but... There's always an element of the film that you appreciate, whether it's like Interstellar with like the performances and the music, you know, or, you know, um, even even something like Dark Knight Rises it has its moments of like great cinema, you know, um, and visual spectacle. So I, I'm intrigued to see what Tenant's like. Uh, obviously, you know, it's the first time I've seen a movie since February in the cinema so it doesn't really matter I'd rather go see that than something like unhinged (laughs) yeah I understand that completely and also too another thing to keep in mind about Tenet I think is that and I said this I think when the trailer dropped and that was it's becoming pretty known to a lot of people I think what the Christopher Nolan formula is when it comes to Mm. story structure timelines time in general and how he likes to play around with that to tell his story 
And I know that a lot of people, even before the movie uh, got screened, were saying that Tenet was pretty much looking like it was Inception all over again. And the reviews kind of confirmed that to a certain extent. And that's what some of the um, more mixed reviews that I read uh, were saying, is that it didn't feel like Nolan was doing something new. It just felt like it was more of the same. Um, And I think that also comes along with, you know, Whenever you have an auteur director who has a very distinct style and is known for something, every now and then, if the story itself maybe doesn't grip you or just something is lacking here or there, um, you know, even if the, the, the style has been praised in previous films, uh, critics in some cases will turn on it because they will say, well, he's just doing the same thing again. Ugh. Critics, what well, yeah. <laughs> those, <laughs> those assholes. <laughs> I don't think that that necessarily means that Tenet is bad or that you know it's necessarily good. I think, like any Christopher Nolan film, it's going to inspire great discussion. And you know, I think we everybody just needs to calm down because one thing I kept telling people over and over is. Yeah, the movie overall is not getting mixed reviews. I would say it's definitely still in the positive territory, but there are a few people more so than his more highly critically acclaimed films like Dunkirk or The Dark Knight who are definitely pointing out some flaws here. If it doesn't make it bad, it just means that it's going to inspire a great debate and hopefully great discussion as all over Christopher Nolan films had. Well, it is sometimes difficult to have a quote-unquote great discussion about yeah. Nolan movies, especially Nolan movies that the vast majority of us have not seen yet. And I think we do know that there are a lot of people that get very defensive about his films. And when you are just pointing out even somebody else's criticism that you can't even endorse yet, that will trigger an argument. And that is exhausting. But at the same time, it does certainly sound like this movie is, like you said, Matt, it's good, might not be great, but it sounds intriguing and interesting. And, you know, I'm still wary on when I will go see this movie, but Whenever I do, I am definitely still looking forward to it. I can tell you one person here who's not going to see it for a long, long time, and that's (laughs) Mr. Michael Schwartz. (laughs) You know what? We'll see about that, because I would not be surprised if this was one of those movies that ends up on demand by, like, Thanksgiving. Mm. I I think we're going to see a real shift in how Mm. quickly films go from theater to streaming in this, you know, strange time they were living through. So that's true. I won't be seeing it in the theater. I have no plans to return to the theater for a very, very long time. But I think this is something Warner Brothers will want to capitalize on and get as many people to see in the shortest amount of time, whether that's in a theater or at home. I don't think Nolan's going to allow it. Well, I was just going to say, I can't imagine watching this type of movie on, you know, at home and not in a theater. It just, it, it just feels offensive in a way <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> it doesn't feel appropriate to to watch it so i mean obviously i know that uh i'm uh, privileged because i get to see it next week so you know i'm sorry to all the guys who can't go to the theater and watch it but you know sucks to be you um (laughs) this is also the first really big test i think for movie theaters in terms of the protocols that they are putting into place for making uh the theater watching experience as safe as it possibly can be and we've seen a lot of reports of you know i saw some screenshots of theaters being completely uh sold out 
where there was no social distance, uh, social distancing implemented for seating purposes. And that was definitely worrisome because at least at the very least, I figured that they were going to do maybe every other seat. But I don't know. I, I guess it's different depending on the state, I suppose. The theaters I've seen in like Pennsylvania and even some in like New Jersey and Maryland, like the states that are starting to open up now on the East Coast. It's ridiculous at AMC and Regal because what they've been doing is not every other seat, but every other row. So you could have a row with 25 seats and everyone sitting next to each other, which defeats the entire purpose. Yeah, Uh, that doesn't make any logical sense, does it? No, none whatsoever. And there was an interview I was reading this week with an epidemiologist talking about theaters reopening. And in very blunt terms, he said, look, it's the absolute last thing I would do right now to sit in a confined space where they let you take your mask off when you're in there. Like they say, oh, if you're eating, you could take off your mask. Well, you're going to have everyone saying that they're eating. You know, it's not going to it's going to be as enforceable as the cell phone policy. It is just like a recipe for disaster in my mind. So if you want to see Tenet, you better see it fast because we'll see how viable this new model is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I think they really should um, stop stop food being served at the theater for temporarily for i know that would mean like a, that's how they make their money but at the same time it's like do you really need to go and eat and watch a movie can you not wait two hours to eat i completely I, agree B. they need isabel Huppert there to enforce <laughs> the well tenet is starring robert pattinson and he is having quite a prolific time in his career not just with tenet but also too for a trailer that dropped last night at dc fandome matt reeves revealed to the world the first official footage with a teaser for the batman and this definitely caused quite a stir because the film has not finished shooting quite yet uh so they took whatever footage they had already put it together to create what i thought was still a very compelling trailer but um we'll get into full thoughts in just a moment here let's take a look at the trailer first and then we'll give our thoughts from your secret friend Play a game, just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? Please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be?
I think this is my favorite of the three. I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this trailer. I absolutely loved everything about this. Mm. Everything. I love the tone. I love the use of Something in the Way by Nirvana. I loved seeing Jeffrey Wright as mm. Jim Gordon. I mm -hmm. love that this is going to be a detective story. I love that yeah. I, I, Paul Dano's voice as the Riddler send me. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved this. I, I cannot emphasize enough how. And listen, I already knew that this movie was in really, really <laughs> capable hands with Matt Reeves. I mean, if you guys have ever seen um, Dawn or War for the Planet of the Apes, you know mm -hmm. that this guy can do action blockbuster extremely well. And the great thing I, that I was – the one thing I was a little hesitant about about the Batman was seeing as how we just had a reboot with uh, Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck as Batman uh, and then coming hot off of what Christopher Nolan had done with the character, I was a little worried about the visual look that and tone that Reeves would be going for with this. And I am just so pleasantly surprised to see that it looks very much like it's a almost noir, but polished. Like it's it's gritty, but also still has like that studio shine to it. And it's just like this great mixture of high production value with the dark contrast. And I, I think it's going to deliver. I, I really, really do. I <laughs> <laughs> the man has the best hair. I oh, mean, so good. let's just get that out of the way right now. And I love that it's a young Batman, too. It's uh, I think he's only like one or two years into being Batman here. So I'm really, really interested to kind of see where they go with that aspect of it, since this is the early days of Gotham City still. And there's a lot of potential here. I mean, oh, truly a lot. OK, so that's where I really do diverge on this, because like I just I don't fucking care about Batman anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. We have had so many of these movies and so many looks at this character that by now, I'm just like, ugh. What, <laughs> well, now I think what it is at this point is I think it's a matter of taking the character and fitting it with, within some sort of a film genre, where whether it's a CGI blockbuster spectacle like the Zack Snyder films are. But or why does it have to be this character? Because that's that's Hollywood, Dan. <laughs> exactly, because IP, and that's the only thing people go to see nowadays. And I just like, I, 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 I have the film looks good. It's a really well done trailer, but I just don't care. To sort of build on that for a second. I'm always that person people know who when there's like a Marvel movie, I'm like, oh, whatever, who cares? But that's not because it's like the same character over and over again. I just feel like so many of those movies are, you know, cut and paste, same style, yeah. same look, same everything. Yeah. And even though this is Batman for the nth time, you know, I'm OK with it being the same character and universe as long as there is, you know, some sort of directorial flourish or something that makes it unique from the rest of the films. And I think you're really starting to see that in DC and Marvel too. Marvel's starting to go that route 
post Endgame, where Matt Reeves has a unique cinematic vision here. And I know some people will say, like you, Dan, that it's Batman. Why do we have to see Batman again? But as long as he has a compelling reason and vision for making it this way, I'm on board. I don't think there's anything particularly compelling or unique about the about this trailer. It looks like every other Batman movie that's been made in the past decade just with a new cast. I heard that there was a comparison of Seven. Like, if you took Batman and placed him within the world of Seven, that's essentially what Matt Reeves is going for. And I can kind of get that from the trailer. Yeah, and, and that that's what compels me personally is... I want to see a noir detective story with Batman, right. not a action spectacle. I want to see a brooding detective film noir character study that looks at the underbelly of the city and really, really pays homage to uh, films of you know the past. I, I, I think that's what we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, and I think I want a more adult, mature, like uh, slightly more violent batman movie because if you think about it it, it's like it it always annoyed me that in the justice league movies and you know like um batman versus superman it didn't really it went it had the tone and look of it but the violence wasn't really like explored all that well and it was cut away from and we it was implied but as here i think we're seeing something a bit more adult and a bit more mature i exciting for me yeah i will say that like this looks infinitely more interesting than any other non-wonder woman dc movie we've gotten (laughs) so you know there's that (laughs) which that upper trailer for wonder woman was really fantastic this week god i i want that movie is my tenet (laughs) <laughs> like I, <laughs> I would be there opening day if I could. I'm really excited to see what Kristen Wiig does there, uh, for sure. <laughs> oh. Especially since we got a better glimpse of her character. Although I did see a lot of Tom Hooper's cats uh, c- comparisons on Twitter, which made me laugh. Yeah, is she playing Mongo Jerry or Rumpelteaser? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, but in any event, though, going back to the Batman, I think the inspired casting of Jeffrey Wright. Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, Catwoman, uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler, and Colin Farrell as Oswald Akabaprat, the, the the Penguin, which I still maintain. There's a lot of people that were saying that that was Colin Farrell underneath the makeup and some of the shots in the trailer. I still do not think that that was him. We, You and I looked at that face so much. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out if it was him and then cross-referenced it with the cast list on IMDb. And I think there's an argument to be made that we have not seen Colin Farrell in this trailer. I agree. Spoiler, it was Colin Firth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only other thing that I would say about this trailer is that I do agree that it looks good, but... It does, and I realize it's a teaser. It's the first thing. They haven't shot all the movie yet, so there's still more to come. But the tone, at least, that I'm getting initially doesn't look a whole lot like fun to me. Yeah. I feel like the DC movies were kind of missing that for a while, which is why people didn't really like them. And then they kind of found it again. And now it seems like they're going back to, no, we have to take this, like, deadly seriously, this story. But that's story. the character. I mean, if you It have, wasn't always the was, character, though. It was really in the original, like, comics, really. If you go... I mean, for 
flipping heck sake, his parents die in front of his eyes. That's his origin story. You know, you don't get any darker than that. I mean, I, I really do like the dark night. <laughs> you know? I, mean, like I the like dark the darkness. Version of it. But I, I do like the darkness, yeah. But I also kind of just feel like I need some excitement and fun in it too. And that is yeah. actually like my problem with the Snyder films is that I think they took that text so earnestly and so seriously that yeah, it was just Justice really hard for me League. to like it. And then you get Justice League and you get like, uh, you know, uh, what's your superpower? I'm rich. You know, do we really want Batman cracking lame dad jokes? I'm with Bianca on this. I, I think that like the tone that you're asking for, Josh, I th- really do think that they tried to deliver a mixture of that with uh, Ben Affleck's uh, version of the character in Batman v Superman and in Justice League, where they did try to have a little bit more fun with the character, but also still keep the darker elements. I once again think that if Matt Reeves, what he's really going for here is he's going for a more noir-based detective story. It is going to be brooding. It is going to be dark, yes. But hopefully there will be, as Michael was saying earlier, a reason to tell the story, a compelling reason from a social commentary standpoint or something along those lines where we will be invested in the character and the story despite the familiarity. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't mind it being dark. I just don't want it to be like so self-serious. Like you look at something like The Dark (laughs) Knight, for instance, like The Dark Knight is a dark movie, but I don't. I think it also knows that it is a comic book movie too. Like it understands that it needs to play with spectacle and you need to kind of accept some things in it that you can only see in a comic book movie. And I think it's successful in that way. I think something like Batman v Superman thinks everything it's talking about is so serious and like, (laughs) like, and we're talking about like people in capes. Like that is my fear. Yeah. There's, it's similar to like how people picked up on the whole, um, critique of Tenet that it was humorless and I think that a lot of the more recent Batman movies have fallen into that trap and I it, it's not fun to it's not enjoyable to watch a movie like that that is tackling something that is on the face of it patently ridiculous and have it not at least acknowledge that in some way now, at the same time, I do trust Matt Reeves, and this is just a teaser. So yeah. I have faith in it. I'm sure I will like it. It's just the that is the initial impression I get, which is this looks really good, but I just hope that it doesn't take itself so seriously that that in itself ends up feeling ridiculous. Well, I'm just uh, glad there's no bat nipples um, inside. <laughs> so, you know, that's a step up. Yeah. I'm here for the bat nipples. I mean, like, I come on, y'all. <laughs> God bless you, Joel Schumacher. God bless you. All right, let's move over to the polls really quick here because this week's poll has to do with Batman. Uh, but first, before we get to that, let's uh, reveal the results of last week's poll here. So we asked everyone in anticipation for the one and only Ivan, which is your favorite live action film with talking animals? And we have a top 10 here. Uh, before I reveal the top 10, let's just go around really quick and ask everyone which their which is their favorite. Uh, let's hear from Josh. Um, was Paddington an option? It was. It definitely is Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Michael Schwartz. Not just some pig, but babe. Dan Bear. Babe, and it's not even close. <laughs> and Bianca Gardner? It has to be Babe. 
Alrighty, let's take a look. Let's see what the answers are here. Number 10 is Stuart Little. Aww. Stuart Little is so great. And <laughs> it's 20 plus yeah. years later, those visual effects hold up. It's so sweet. I really enjoy that movie. Yeah. It's a cute okay. movie. Co-written by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, <laughs> never forget. The best thing he's done. <laughs> That's the twist in the movie that is written by him. Number nine, Scooby Doo. Oh goodness. No. Oh no, no, no. You take that back. That, that holds up count. very well. Why? Why does it not count? Scooby Doo is a talking dog. But he's not a live action dog. Like, come on. And Stuart Little is not a live action. Wait, <laughs> yeah, what are you talking I, about, dude? I'm talking about the Matthew Lillard. Okay, fine. Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, fine. Okay, yeah, he's not either. So, okay, so neither, neither of them count. Neither I do what for Dan. I, I sort of see what what you mean, but I think for the, these purposes, it works. <laughs> Number eight. Is the Jungle Book? That, that was great. That was a great movie. Uh, it looked good. Oh my God, Dan Bear with the hot takes here. Number seven is the Chronicles of Narnia: The Line, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The only good entry in what? this franchise. <laughs> Aslan, the Talking Lion, Dan. And the Beavers. Yeah, don't forget about the Beavers. Oh yeah. right, yeah, the Beavers. Okay, that fine. was a really good movie. I, I've only seen it like once or twice, but it, that. They could have had so much potential after that. It, it was just unfortunate that it came on the heels of the Lord of the Rings. And I think that that comparison yeah. is what forever hurt it. Yeah. I mean, those sequels are so dull. Yeah. Number six is Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, I love Hocus Pocus. <laughs> what? The talking cat. Lord, okay, fine. I, I, don't, I don't understand. It's a stretch. <laughs> Number five is Homeward Bound. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved that so much when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I've never seen it, so I can't join in. Neither have I be. As an adult, it's not it's not good. Oh, okay. Well, won't be seeing that one. <laughs> Number four. War for the Planet of the Apes. Does that even count? I mean, considering that Caesar does talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. He does talk. He's at home. Number three is Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Ain't no thing like me except me. Might show up later in our 2014 MVP Film Award nominations. I love Thank when Rocket. God, Rocky I hope sings. so. I love when he sings "Shallow." That's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Lord, is Babe. Oh. Babe. Oh, why is it only why is it not number one? Oh, come on. Because uh, number one is Paddington. Oh, okay. Right. There you go. It's acceptable, but I'm I'm side eyeing the people who voted in for this just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and for this week's poll, in response to the trailer for the Batman, we are asking everyone from the Adam West Batman movie all the way up until the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> Which is your favorite Batman movie? If okay, Batman so and Robin doesn't come in second win. place behind the Dark Knight. <laughs> I I have to say, and you know, please like give me a little bit of leeway here. I am not going to vote for the Dark Knight. Oh, good. You shouldn't. It's not the best one. Okay, Dan, calm down. I I actually do think it is the best one, but instead, I'm going to throw my vote towards 
Batman Returns. Oh, Matt, I am yes, 100% Matt. with yeah, you. That is yeah. exactly my thing. Like, I do That's think my that vote. The Dark Knight would be my favorite, but I do know that probably most people are going to vote for it. So I would say also Batman Returns. I love that movie so much. It's so fun. It's so good. <laughs> it's the best. I just give some love to Batman Begins because I kind of like that ba- movie. I genuinely, genuinely. Batman Begins is better than The Dark Knight. Don't at me. Come at me. Whatever. <laughs> like, you know. But it is. And also Lego Batman's pretty good, too. <laughs> God, I love you know what Batman. You know what was uh, one element of Batman Begins that I really, really wish would have popped back up again in The Dark Knight or in The Dark Knight Rises? Uh, was it Rachel's changing face? No. <laughs> Tom Wilkinson. If Tom Wilkinson had reappeared in The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises, that would have made me so happy because I love every scene of him in Batman Begins so much, especially like that scene in the diner where like when he, when he sits across from him at the table and he's like, you're tall of any look in the tabloids, <laughs> Mr. Wayne. No gun. I'm insulted. <laughs> just he has. He's just so great in that. I love it. <laughs> I am going to be basic here and say The Dark Knight because that's how I really feel. And I think it's the best. That's fair. You know what's an underrated one? The Lego Batman movie. Yeah, the Lego Batman movie is just so much fun. The Lego Batman movie is really great because it is so self-aware of Batman's legacy in the other movies. (laughs) And it plays on that and makes fun of it. And that's what makes it, I think, so brilliant. (laughs) Also, Will Arnett is the best Batman. Like, (laughs) sorry, he just is. Well, I would actually argue that the best Batman is not him, but it is somebody who does a voice and that is Kevin Conroy, which is why I would also love to do a shout out for mask of the phantasm, which is yes. one uh, of the yeah. best Batman stories ever put to film. Yes. It, yes. Oh my God. Yes. So good. Whew. Alrighty. Well, that is this week's poll. Head on over to the polls page, nextbestpicture.com. Cast a vote. Let us know which you, which, you know, Batman film you think is the absolute best. I'll be interested to see which comes in last place. I feel like Batman and Robin's going to get some love. Yeah, it's probably going to be either OG Batman or Batman Forever in last place. And look, I love Batman Forever so much. (laughs) So I will be sad when that happens. But, you know, whatever. Not everyone was eight when it was released. So I will laugh. I will die. I will cry if the Zack Snyder fanboys take over the poll. And somehow, some way, Justice League or Dawn of Justice win the poll. <laughs> uh, make it happen. I, uh, I will don't, die. No, don't, 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 don't. Do, though, do. Um. <laughs> Chaos reigns. <Yeah. laughs> All right, our next trailer here is the new film from Sofia Coppola. Uh, co-production between A24 and Apple TV+, Plus, scheduled to be released on Apple TV+. Plus on uh well actually i don't know if we have a date necessarily it just says october of 2020 as of right now it's the reteaming of sofia coppola and bill murray since lost in translation also starring rashida jones and marlon waynes this is on the rocks let's take a look at the trailer for this one hi dad hey kiddo oh my gosh do you look beautiful cliff how's your mom's hip good thanks good he thinks you're my girlfriend right been busy yeah He's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad, 
Raise your hand if that sounds fishy. He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad. Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. Maybe he's just not interested in me anymore. Impossible. A woman's at her most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39. Great, so I have many months left. Really? She's back in town. Been busy? Yeah. Got a lot going on. Do you? He should be worshiping the ground you walk on. And if he's doing something dishonorable, you need to know. What if Dean's just busy? I'm in a rut. That's it. I think we should follow him. What? I think you better see him in action. This is your idea of incognito? So this is the place to have an affair. It has the most exits. Exits on three streets. Can you just act a little less excited about this? Because this is my life, and oh. it might be falling apart. I don't know why women get plastic surgery. Because of men like you. Mm -mm. I prefer the factory original. <laughs> yeah, and every other make and model. Thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> Are there two? Oh, scared me. Meh. I was <laughs> underwhelmed, I have to admit. I I like the chemistry between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Yes, yes. But other than so that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I worry about it. I worry about it. Mm. Like, the screenplay better blow us all away because... It just seems so similar. It just seems so bland compared to other work mm. that Sofia Coppola has given us before. Yeah. It almost feels like it's a like I don't want to say a step back necessarily, but it it, it <sighs> feels like it has been made for Apple TV. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like it's been a film that's been made with the idea of putting it out into a theater in mind. Like it, it looks small. It looks very like made for TV. It has that sort of, um, it, almost like it's going to be like a, a short mini series, you know, like a bit mm -hmm. of a sitcom feel to it. Yeah. Uh, it and the jokes just didn't feel very. They didn't really land with me. I didn't really laugh all that much, apart from at the end with the the Sunday. That was quite funny. Yeah. But it just suddenly appears. But it, it, all the jokes felt very sort of like, I don't know, like not very fresh and original, like repeating old material, you know, like the yeah. organizing dad who's, you know, trying to make amends with his daughter. And it, haven't we seen that all before? I think this is just an excuse to have Bill Murray and Sofia Coppola work together again. And I think that's the honest to God hook here. Mm. And it will be something to watch on streaming when it come when it becomes available in October. Other than that, though, I yeah, I, I had this in a couple of different Oscar predictions uh, because on paper, Sofia Coppola, Bill Murray coming back together again. You know, that's something that you pay attention to. But once I saw the trailer for this, I just like I said, unless if the screenplay is much better than the trailer lets on, I just don't think this is going to amount to much. Mm hmm. Yeah, I sort of second all the opinions here. Look, I'm looking forward to seeing it because I yeah. like all Sofia Coppola's projects. But, you know, it's not anything I'm, you know, 
dying to see as my number one most anticipated of the year. It looks fine. You know, I'm glad it's going to be on Apple TV Plus and Mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, something we probably watch and say, oh, that was good and then move on. Yeah, but the visual style doesn't really look like one of her films, though. No. I mean, I'm thinking of, like, Marie Antoinette and, um, you know, The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation. They all have that really, uh, like, they'll, you can tell that they're, they're her movies, but they all have a distinct look to them. But this doesn't feel like it's a movie that I, I almost had to, like, blink twice and to re- when I saw her name. It was like, Really? This doesn't look like one of her films, if that makes sense. Even something like The Bling Ring, which I know got kind of mixed reviews at the time of its release, I think that holds up um, pretty mm. well today on Disney Watch. Oh, God, the it Bling holds Ring up fantastically. Great. And the cinematography in that movie. Yes. Oh, my God. But yeah, this is definitely not The Beguiled. It's not Marie Anto- Antoinette. It's definitely, I think, more in that Lost in Translation somewhere kind of area for her in terms of the aesthetics it's definitely lost lost somewhere you know? Ooh, 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 b ooh, ooh. damn with the with the fire <laughs> <laughs> all righty anyone else any uh thoughts on this one i mean i will be totally upfront that sofia coppola is not really a filmmaker that i have really responded to all that much i'm not really a big fan of her movies i get that People love them, but they're just not really for me. So I already sort of have a high bar to clear in terms of getting into her films. And when the people who normally like her stuff are already sort of cool on this discussion right now, that doesn't really entice me a whole lot to to look forward to this. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Let's take a look at some news now over the last week. Let's take a look and see what's been going on in the world of film. So, uh, Deadline reported that MGM's Ridley Scott Lady Gaga Gucci film uh, has casting uh, eyes on Robert De Niro, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Adam Driver, Jack Houston, and Reeve Carney. Did I just have a fever dream while you just said that? What, what, the, what in the world is that? <laughs> Seriously, like, what is happening here? <laughs> It is the first project that Lady Gaga is attaching herself to since A Star is Born, uh, which already brings about a lot, obviously. Um, Ridley Scott is um, back into production again on The Last Duel, which obviously, as we know, is not going to be coming out this year. But as they say in Hamilton, the guy is nonstop. (laughs) He just keeps on working constantly. Oh, he'll never be satisfied. Oh, boy. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, this is a big, uh, big list of names here um, to be, you know, tied to another project of his. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but MGM also relaunched Orion Pictures to amplify undeserved uh, voices in film. Did you guys see this story? <laughs> yes. And I think it's great that they're doing that. Mm. <laughs> if, if if even if it does kind of feel a little like 
oh, you know, we'll give the minorities their own studio. Yeah, the studio that's been, like, bankrupt how many times throughout the year? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, like, I mean, it's at the same time, like, it feels good to have a major studio sort of backing that as a thing. Like, this is, you know, like, how we've had studios with their indie divisions, you know, like, Sony has Sony Pictures Classics, and uh, Paramount also had one, and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, I wish it didn't feel as much like tokenism as it kind of does, but at the same time, like, take what you can get. <laughs> it's going to be run by uh, veteran executive Alana Mayo, uh, who will be president of the new label. Uh, president John uh, he- he- Hegman is uh, stepping down after the release of Bill and Ted Face the Music. And um, there's a quote here uh, where Mayo said, We are at an exciting and critical tipping point in our industry. For years, many filmmakers and creators who have been considered and treated as outsiders have nonetheless persisted in creating visionary films that drew audiences across the globe and defined culture. Many of these films and filmmakers inspired me to pursue storytelling as a career and to work towards creating a more equitable environment for all creators. So I'm actually really excited for this. I hope it brings about mid-budget adult content, which, as Mm. we all know, Studios like Solstice Studios um, are committed to doing, Annapurna, God bless them, are committed to doing, A24 still does it, Neon still does it, but it's it's very rare, and it's really, really tough to do, um, especially as budgets continue to grow smaller, movies continue to go to streaming. It's a changing landscape, to say the least, so I wish them all nothing but the best. Uh, Olivia Wilde is tapped to direct um, an untitled female-centered Marvel movie at Sony, hot off the heels of her directorial debut, Booksmart. Woo-hoo. Okay, it, that's another Marvel movie. I'm good, I'm glad she's working. Her. Yeah, she yeah, like good, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the rite of passage nowadays. I feel like where if you have a nice hit indie film, you immediately get tapped on the shoulder by Kevin Feige. I know, and like I, I kind of hate it. But I see it as a symbol of success for a lot of these uh, underrepresented filmmakers in a lot of ways, don't you? I mean, yes. Like as an opportunity to try to change perceptions in the industry by giving them that big platform? Yes, but at the same time. um, I mean, and I can't take credit for this. It was a criticism that I saw and went, you know what? This actually does crystallize a lot of what my issue is with it. It's that you're seeing someone who had – who genuinely has a, you know – vision something to say with their films and you're giving them a movie that is really a cog in a machine. Like, let's be Mm -hmm. honest. This is not, you know, giving, saying we're going to give you all this money to make a movie that you want to make. We're giving you all this money to make the movie that we want to see and if you could bring a little bit of your voice but not too much into <laughs> it because ultimately like yes the marvel movies do have some traces of their directors but the focus of this is on their ip and what the image of the company is and it just feels like this is that this is not how I would want these really talented indie directors to break big, you know. Like I, I understand that it's a huge opportunity, but half the time it works and half the time it doesn't work because this is like they're just not directors who are equipped to handle such a 
large visual effects spectacle kind of movie and then it like it can just as easily ruin their chances to make mm. you know to get the big budget again to make a film that they actually want yeah it's kind of like the cafe um the cafe yan um harley quinn birds of prey yes. sort of scenario it's like yeah. it's great that she was given that chance but at the same time was that the a, a perfect fit for her sort of uh, approach to filmmaking it did, just feels like we're yeah. trying to slot people into you know like trying to put them into you know square square pegs into round holes type of thing i just feel like you know we're trying to force them into uh, taking these roles um to these films that aren't really a perfect match for you know their their styles their personalities their uh, you know the type of films that they want to make it's almost like you have to do this in order to progress onto the next stage and it just feels very restrictive in that way yeah like i love anna Bowden and ryan fleck but like who looks at their filmography and goes you know what movie they should really direct next <laughs> captain marvel <laughs> i do want to just clarify something about this news story really quickly now um this is actually uh my apologies, not a Kevin Feige uh, Marvel Studios movie, but more uh, a Sony Pictures uh, project, apparently, from what I'm seeing now. So it could be slightly different. Right now, we know that Sony Pictures has the Spider-Man uh, characters, so there's a Ugh. good chance that you know it's more so tied to that universe than anything. The more you keep going on about it and giving us more stuff, it's making me more... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, another story uh, that broke uh, more so in the business world of things. Ron Meyer, president and COO of Universal Studios, uh, stepped down uh, this past week. And uh, Netflix co-chief executive officer Ted Sarandos is going to be stepping in. And apparently, from what we understand, uh, the departure uh, was spurred on by an extortion attempt related to an extramarital affair. What? <laughs> womp womp. There's a story here in regards to a future film someday, probably. I just started thinking of like the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme, you know? Like... Oh my gosh. Daniel Day Kim and Randall Park are teaming up for an Asian American led heist film at Amazon Studios. I am so here for that. Absolutely. Give it to me now. <laughs> Amanda Stenberg, you guys might have remembered her from The Hate You Give, has been cast in Dear Evan Hansen, the feature film adaptation of the Tony Award winning musical. She's going to be playing a high school senior, Alana. Yeah, so <laughs> she's a big name in a part that's really, you know, not one of the most significant parts of the show. I mean, she'll have a decent amount to do, and it sounds like she's getting a new song, but... They're saying that the role will be expanded from the stage production. I just like, yes, she and Ben Platt so look like the same age. Oh, it's not that <laughs> big of a gap. Uh... Well, we know that Caitlin Deaver has been cast in the role of Zoe, uh, so she's also a member of the cast as well. And then this week we also got it where that Nick Dodani and Colton Ryan are joining it too. And Ben Platt hasn't formally been announced yet, but he's playing Evan Hansen. We all I mean, sort of know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's it just, you know, there's no, there has been no I mean, his dad is producing, right? <laughs> and he's been very vocal about, you know, everyone enjoying the project. So, yes, uh, it's all coming together. This will probably start up once, you know, we have this COVID situation under control. God knows when. But, you know, 
something to look forward to. Another thing to look forward to are the MVP Film Awards, which mm, it is oh, time I to reveal the nominations. All right, you guys. So this is it. NBP Film Award nominations for the staff. We announced uh, the 2014 nominations for the community last week. Now this is all about the team here. Let's see what the team was able to put together based on our votes. Oh, man. Here we go. (laughs) I am so excited. (laughs) I'm so nervous. (laughs) Starting off with Best Overlooked Film. The nominees are Calvary, mm-hmm. The Immigrant, hmm. Locke, A Most Violent Year, and Pride. Oh, oh. yeah. All those movies I love. Yes. I The Immigrant came out in 2014. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I like all those movies. Do you guys prefer to know what the runners up were or do you guys want me to leave that a mystery? Yes. Uh, Just Barely Missing was Begin Again. I love Begin Again. Oh, that really is an overlooked movie, though. Best sci-fi horror film. Nominees are The Babadook, Edge of Tomorrow, Interstellar, Snowpiercer, Under the Skin. Yes. Okay, all right. Runner-up was The Guest. Oh. oh, I forgot about The Guest. That That's a really uh, unique movie. Very entertaining. It's a, it's a tough movie to categorize the genre, kind of. Yeah, because it's not like really a horror movie, but it's yeah. kind of like the closest that it comes into it. Oh, it's so good. I love that movie. Yeah. Ugh, Dan Stevens. Best comedy film. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> 22 Jump Street. <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. Inherent Vice. Neighbors, an obvious child. Ugh, that oh, is a man. good lineup. Yeah, yeah, that really is good. You know, mm. twenty-two jumps. The straight. runner-up. So laughing was Birdman. Interesting. Yeah, I did notice that yeah. Birdman was not in that lineup. I it, it's it's like is it a comedy? Kind of. <laughs> Best action film. There there was no runner-up for this. These were the five nominees. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, John Wick, and The Raid 2. If, if John Wick doesn't win, then I'm leaving this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Okay, fine. I guess I finally have to watch it. <laughs> Best documentary. Citizen Four. Finding Vivian Meyer. The Last Days in Vietnam, Life Itself, and Verunga. Mm-hmm. The runner-up was For Salt of the Earth. Okay. All right. There I go really some, itself. There were some good documentaries in 2014. <laughs> Best International Feature. Definitely one of the most competitive categories that we had here. Nominees are Force Majeure, Ida, Mommy, Two Days, One Night, Wild Tales. I love this category. I love it so much. (laughs) The runner-up was Stranger by the Lake. Oh. 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 And when I tell you it was so close, it was super, super close. 
Wow. I mean, I'm surprised it was number six, to be honest. Yeah, honestly. like <laughs> That I, movie is wild. <laughs> I love that movie. And, like, that was sort of that and um, the way he looks were like, my, no one else has seen these, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy one of them almost made it. <laughs> Best animated feature. Big Hero 6. The Box Trolls. How to Train Your Dragon 2. The Lego Movie, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. That that feels exactly right. Mm. The runner-up was Song of the Sea. Oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> that, that movie is gorgeous. Best original song. Begin Again, Lost Stars. Beyond the Lights, Grateful. Boyhood, Split the Difference. Yes. The Lego movie, Everything is Awesome, and Selma, Glory. Everything oh. is awesome. So uh, the runner-up here was The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, Yellow Flicker Beat. Best original score. Gone Girl. The Grand Budapest Hotel. The Imitation Game. Interstellar. And The Fury of Everything. Oh, that's really hot <sighs> Yay for the theory of everything. I was hoping that Birdman could pull a pull a pull a out of nowhere nomination for this category, but uh, well, I don't know. The two runners up were Birdman and Under the Skin. Oh. Under the Skin really should have been in there. Like, yeah. come on, yeah. falling down on the job. That score haunts by nightmares. It's so to good. This day. Oh God, it's so good. Best visual effects. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Edge of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Interstellar. Uh, please tell me Under the Skin was the runner-up for this. <laughs> the runner-up for this was X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay, I can, I can get with that. That's kind of like most visual effects. Best sound mixing. Birdman. Gone Girl. Interstellar, Snowpiercer, and Whiplash. Mm. The runners-up were American Sniper, The Babadook, and Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I wish The Babadook had managed to get in. Me that too. That would have been fun. And I just want to make notice here that this is our team that put in Interstellar ah. for mixing. So it is not just me. You cannot blame this only on me. <laughs> Best sound editing. American Sniper. Birdman. Edge of Tomorrow. Interstellar. And Whiplash. Loving the Whiplash. Interesting. Okay. The runner-up was Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Best makeup and hairstyling. One of the few categories to overlap with Oscar because, well, let's face it, only three nominees uh, that year for the Oscar. Uh, the nominees here are Foxcatcher, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Into the Woods, and Maleficent. Yeah, that, that feels right. Mm. Yeah. Snowpiercer. Runner-up was Snowpiercer. Mm, yeah, I figured. I gotta say, that one that one actually kind of hurts a bit. <laughs> uh, it hurts me, too. Yeah. It hurts me, too. Best costume design. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Inherent Vice. Into the Woods. 
Maleficent, and Selma. Ooh, oh, good for Selma. Yeah. yeah. Runners up were Belle and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Belle. <laughs> Belle is so delightful. I love the costumes of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I really do. Production design. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Imitation Game. Ugh. Interstellar, Into the Woods, and Snowpiercer. Ooh. Into the wo- oh, whatever. The runner-up was Maleficent. Everybody loves Into the Woods, you know. I mean, I love how Fair Street got a Oscar nomination for playing a witch. I know. Hope she makes it in. Let's do it. Supporting actors. <laughs> no. no, no. Well, no. Dan, now you know where the Into the Woods love is coming from. <laughs> I I know where it's coming from. I just don't <laughs> understand it. Best film editing. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Gone Girl. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Nightcrawler and Whiplash. <gasps> Nightcrawler coming in for the surprise nomination. Deserved. Okay. The runner-up was Boyhood. Mm. I, you know, honestly, I think that that's as it should be. I appreciate. Let's think like the yes, they had a massive job to do, but the actual editing in it is maybe not quite nomination worthy. Like runner-up feels right to me for that movie in this category. Best cinematography. Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Ida, and Interstellar. Mm, Okay, that's a good that's a good lineup. The runner up was The Immigrant. Mm. Oh, oh. (laughs) Are you okay? It was so close, Dan. It was so close. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, I will kill the suspense Uh-oh. with this next category. Uh, this is the second and last category that overlapped uh, with Oscars lineup. Best original screenplay nominees are Birdman, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, The Grand, Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Nightcrawler. I am very disappointed in all of you. Whiplash is an original screenplay. Uh, the runner-up in this category was The Lego Movie. Mm. Oh, what could okay. have been... Best Adapted Screenplay. Nominees are Gone Girl, Inherent Vice, Snowpiercer, Whiplash, and Wild. Yes, Gone Girl and Wild. Justice. Ryan C. Showers is very happy right now. (laughs) The runner-up was The Imitation Game. I am shocked by how much more the... Uh, staff here prefers Imitation Game to the community. I mean, I didn't do runners-up for the community, but Imitation Game didn't get a single nomination from the community at all. Mm. <laughs> Which I made know, me really happy. We got a two so far and a runner-up. It has a, yeah, production design and score nomination right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're already ahead. That's so funny to me. Which, like, those things make sense, I guess. Best debut director nominees are Anna Lily Amirpour for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Nice. Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler. Jennifer Kent for The Babadook. Yes. Justin Simeon for Dear White People. Yes. And Chad Stahelski for John Wick. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Nice lineup. Runner-up was Gillian Robespierre for Obvious (sighs) Child. 
Man, I was really hoping That's she'd get in. That's a good debut. Oof. Best breakout performance. Nominees are Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler. Oh, he's so good in Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Carrie Coon for Gone Girl. She's so, so good in Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Jack O'Connell for Starred Up. Yes. Yes. Great. And he should have also unbroken. 2014 was his year. It was, yeah. And he never had a year after that. Oh, yeah. don't. It's, it's so heartbreaking. Sad. It's so Tony sad. Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. And Jenny Slate for Obvious Child. Oh, wait. She's so great in that. <laughs> wait. Wait. Did did we really not nominate Gugu Mbatha Raw? The runner-up was did. Gugu Mbatha Raw for oh, Belle. Oh, come on. Wait, for which movie? Belle. Oh, you all suck. Hey. She was on- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she was in my lineup. She is the breakout performance of 2014, y'all. Ugh. Best voice performance. F. Murray Abram for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. <laughs> Will Arnett for the Lego movie. Yes. Bradley Cooper for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes! <laughs> Toby Kebble for Dawn of the Planet wow. of the Apes. Good. And Andy Serkis for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Very, very nice job, everybody. I'm proud yeah, of you. It's a pretty good category right here. The runner-up was Chris Pratt for the Lego movie. Aww. Who? Oh, poor boy. <laughs> I'm sure he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Best youth performance. Eller Coltrane for Boyhood. Will Navity is spinning right now. I'm sure he's still happy with the Raid 2 and Calvary mentions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie Foy for Interstellar. Jaden Martell. That was like hard to tally because some people went by his uh, previous uh, name uh, that he had. So I had to like uh, just find all the Jadens. Uh, Jaden Martell for St. Vincent. Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel. And Noah Wiseman for The Babadook. The runner up oh, was oh Antoine uh, Olivier Pilon for Mommy. <laughs> That's so hard because like. Yes, that kid is good in the Babadook, but he's oh so my annoying. God, I hate him. Yeah, so the, the kid from Mommy should be in there. Ahead yes, he really should. <laughs> Best supporting actor, Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ethan Hawke for Boyhood. <laughs> Edward Norton for Foxcatcher. I'm sorry. Uh, what? My what? bad. My you bad. Edward wow, Norton I... for Birdman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mark that's... Ruffalo for Foxcatcher yes. and J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a really okay. hard decision. I know. To make. The runner-up was Chris Pine for Into the Woods. Oh, so close. I would have so loved far. that. That would have been fun. The most competitive category that we had. There were a total of five runner-ups, all with the same amount of votes, but none of them could crack the lineup. It was in this was insane. Yeah, it's best supporting actress. Wow. Oh, okay. New category now. Okay. This this blew my mind uh, with just how this category went. So here we go. Best supporting actress. Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Okay. Carrie Coon for Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Renee Russo for Nightcrawler. Wonderful. Yes. Emma Stone for Birdman. Okay. And Tilda Swinton for Snowpiercer. Yes. Wow. 
So we couldn't even get Jessica Chastain in there for most violent year. I know. And the five runners up. Who were the five? Yeah. yeah the five. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're Jessica Chastain for a most violent year. Ugh. Laura Dern for Wild. Kira Knightley for the Imitation Game. Oh. Meryl Streep for Into the Woods. And Naomi Watts for Birdman. Uh, so I, Naomi. Thought, I was sure Kim Dickens would be one of the five. That surprises me. I, yeah, the, uh, she's better in that movie than Carrie Coon is. Uh, I, and I love Carrie Coon, but come on. Best actor. Mm. Ray Fines for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, <laughs> thank God. Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler. Oh, yes. Michael Keaton for Birdman. Matthew McConaughey for Interstellar. Wow. <laughs> okay. And David Oyelowo for Selma. Ooh. The runner-up was Oscar Isaac for A Most Violent Year. Oh, so close. I was holding out hope for Bradley Cooper, but that was not going to happen. (laughs) I I was really hoping that somehow y'all would see reason and see that Eddie Redmayne is actually really good in The Theory of Everything, but whatever. Okay, fine. (laughs) Best Actress. Marion Cotillard for Two Days, One Night. Yep. Yes. Oh, thank God. Essie Davis for The Babadook. Yes! Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Mm. Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl. (gasps) And Reese Witherspoon for Wild. Yes! Oh, so much better than Oscar's lineup. The runners-up in this category were Amy Adams for Big Eyes and Felicity Jones in The Fury of Everything. Wow, Felicity almost did it. Yay! Huh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, ensemble, there are no runners-up for this category. Birdman. Gone Girl. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Pride. Yes! And Selma. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, that Pride mention makes me so, so, so happy. Oh, my God. Best Director. Wes Anderson for The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle for Whiplash. Ava DuVernay for Selma. Yay! Mm. David Fincher for Gone Girl. Ooh. And Alejandro Gonzalez and Yari 2 for Birdman. Oh, that was so close to being my lineup. So, so, so close. But, you know, four for five is not bad. The runner-up was Richard Linklater for Boyhood. And there it is. Okay, close enough. That's really interesting. Best picture time. Ten nominees are Birdman, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, All right, Gone Girl, mm-hmm. The Grand Budapest Hotel, Interstellar. Okay. <laughs> John Wick. Wow. Nightcrawler. <gasps> Selma. And Whiplash. Oh, no Captain America Winter Soldier. Wow. Uh, Huh. (laughs) That John Wick came out of nowhere. Yeah, he's like that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I am like truly shocked (laughs) by that. Yeah, that's wow. That's a great lineup. That's it. So the nomination tally Grand Budapest Hotel leads in nominations with 15, followed by Gone Girl with 11, 
Interstellar with 10. What's the love for Interstellar? Hey, I, I will take it. Whatever love that this team wants to give it, I will certainly be happy for it. It's a good movie. John Wick with the shocker nomination of all nominations, in my opinion. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, a, like our extremely loud, incredibly close, like coming in at the end there and just, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, where was the applause? <laughs> best picture, best debut director, and best action film uh, nominations for John Wick. I'm like, when I saw that, I had to like recount it just to be 100% sure. Um, oh, and for the record, uh, runners up for uh, best picture were... Ida and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I would have preferred so those two a, over some of the yeah. other ones, but that yeah. wow. Wow. Any questions about the nominations or? It's a pretty interesting lineup. I, I got to say, I'm pretty happy. The only disappointment I think truly is just we didn't get Snowpiercer in for makeup. That's the only one that <laughs> yeah. it's really weird. Like, yeah. We kind of upset about to be honest keep forgetting that movie was released in 2014 along with the immigrant because i never saw those movies until like two years ago because they Mm. never got released here in the uk Mm. so snowpiercer also missing best picture kind of hurt me a little bit yeah Mm, yeah but the john wick nomination is just so off the wall insane that i I kind of i kind of love it just for how out of left field it was that's because it's awesome. People have great taste in movies, like me. I... <laughs> <laughs> Selma this receiving like... uh, six nominations is pretty cool all yeah. around. Nightcrawler, eight. Oh, Very strong. Mm. Whiplash. Whiplash got seven. That sound editing nomination was something that I, once again, I had to double check and be like, "Am I? Are, is this right? And a lot <laughs> of you had it in sound editing. I was like, wow. Because people just think they're the same, whatever. Ooh, shade. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Those are our VMBP Film Award nominations for the staff of Next Best Picture. Uh, we will be voting on those starting uh, this week. So I will be sending those out to all of you. And we will be announcing, of course, for the community, their winners for the 2014 MVP uh, Film Community nominations next week. All right. So now we're going to talk about the trailer for the sequel to the 2017 film Murder on the Orient Express, not Midnight on the Orient Express, as I said earlier. (laughs) Um, Also directed by Kenneth Branagh with an all-star cast, this is Death on the Nile. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one and give some thoughts. The romance of the desert has the power to seduce. I ask you. Have you ever loved so much? Been so possessed by jealousy. That you might kill. The crime is murder. Should have hidden it, shouldn't you? The murderer is one of you. I don't feel safe here. 
I don't feel safe with any of them. It's too late to change events. It's time to face the consequences. I have investigated many crimes, but this has altered the shape of my soul. I am Detective Hercule Poirot, and I will deliver your killer. So this is something that would definitely get me back into theaters. Glamorous stars being glamorous in a glamorous setting. There's a murder. There are some accents. There's French and Saunders. There's Gal Gadot, who was born to wear these style of dresses. She does look great. I, I am completely here for this. I am so glad that they are sticking with the... Um, horribly incongruous music for the series trailers. (laughs) I was not the biggest fan of Murder on the Orient Express, the Kenneth Branagh version. I look, it's good. It's good, not great. Calling it a different name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also took notice of the fact that while there are some big names in this cast, the cast doesn't seem as big big or stacked as the first film did and i'm wondering if that is a reflection on this film's screenplay by michael green maybe well i mean like i mean bianca can probably speak more to this than i do but this seems much more like a stars for british people cast than uh, on the Orient Express yeah did. yeah <laughs> i mean i was a bit surprised to see dawn french Mm-hmm. Like, what did they, did she walk onto the set and they just say? <laughs> she came with Jennifer one day and was just like, "You have a part for me." Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it's Abfab it, Ab on the Nile. Yeah, <laughs> I do think though that you probably also just have a difference in the material itself, and just in terms of what people recognize. Like Murder on the Orient Express is a pretty famous mm-hmm. story that, like, even if you mm-hmm. don't know. Like Agatha Christie novels, you yeah, have heard at least that know, title. Yeah. And I think Death on the Nile is one that not as many people are familiar with. And I think that might explain why there's not as many quote unquote stars in it, just because I think the property itself isn't as well known as the other one is. I really do like the style of this trailer a lot. I love yeah. how it's cut together. Mm-hmm. I really like some of the shot choices. This like the production value of it definitely looks really enticing. Much more so than I think uh, Murder on the Orient Express was even. If I yeah, I would say that this definitely looks more visually splendid. But once again, I still wasn't the biggest fan of that film and to kind of dive back in i just had this like it's cool that we're getting a sort of a sequel franchise ish sort of a thing with this hercule perot character played by kenneth brana but at the same time i'm like who's asking for this uh, I, I thought the murder on the orient express i am really, i thought it was really <laughs> stale compared to the sydney lumet version and some yeah. of the performances were fine but it just really had no reason to exist when the original was out there and leagues better. And, you know, you watch the trailer for this one, and yeah, it's fun to see some cast members in a net bending in that crazy wig. But <laughs> outside of that, it's like, you know, I'm not 
going to rush to necessarily see this one because it's not doing anything that the original couldn't do better. And I adore Kenneth Branagh, but man, Kenneth Branagh as a director is like hit or miss doesn't even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you guys see Artemis Fowl? No, I still haven't. Uh, I still have to watch it yet. No, not. He needs to redeem himself quick. (laughs) I look and I think that this is something that can do that. I mean, it look murder on the Orient express was no great shakes. Um, but it was good. It was very handsomely mounted and it was well done, if not, you know, a masterpiece or anything, but it was never going to be. And I honestly, he's maybe my second favorite Poirot. Um, I really liked his take on the character and I, y'all can say whatever you want. I fucking love the mustache. Um, (laughs) I think it's ridiculous and perfect, but I, I think that if this, like having, we, you know, we did the next best adaptation podcast on this and there's, there's stuff there in the story that the original film didn't mine as deeply as it could have. And I think this could do that. And at the very least, it's going to offer beautiful things to look at with the scenery and production design and costumes and quite frankly, the people. So that's, you know, like sometimes Hollywood forgets how to do glamor in this way. And like, that's one of the things that I love most about movies. And so, you know, give it to me. I'm hungry for it, especially like after so many months of like not having like movie movies on the big screen, like with big stars, like I'm very much here for an ensemble that's even this big. Well, it will be released by 20th Century Studios on October 23rd. So you'll get it sooner rather than later, Dan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also just think it's really interesting and kind of cool that we basically have like a new cinematic universe but for like adult murder mystery stories like that's even that's like kind of cool right now (laughs) yeah i mean like we keep talking about how they don't make you know the mid-budget adult movies anymore like this is the closest we're gonna get to that let's be honest Mm. i mean i don't know about you guys but i just want hercule poirot to just meet benoit blanc in some way, even though I know the timelines are completely different. But <laughs> oh my God, yes, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Can somebody do like a, a rap battle on like YouTube between those two characters, please? <laughs> oh man, it would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to this, but at the same time, I'll still see it and I'm keeping an open mind about it because if anything, I think there's room for improvement with uh, Burger on the Orient Express. So we'll see. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. And I'm Lee. And we are the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We'd like to take a magnifying glass to the films you love with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh, new releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. Check out the ASC Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes or keep in the loop on Twitter by following me at film underscore faculty or Lee at Big Pick Reviews. That counts as a promo, right? Right. All right, cool. All right, well, I guess we'll cut here. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. All right, let's end this week with some quick fan questions. We'll breeze through these uh, pretty quickly. We're not going to do, we're not going to have time for all of them, but let's just uh, see what we got sent in here. Isaiah Washington, who's more deserving of an honorary Oscar, Thomas Newman, Andy Serkis, Kevin Feige, or Tom Cruise? Oh, Andy Serkis. 
Yeah, definitely. Thomas Newman. Also, Tom Cruise. <sighs> I... I would go for t- I would go for Andy Serkis, yeah, yeah, because I'm still going to hold out hope that Thomas Newman can still yeah. win a competitive Oscar one day. I don't think anything that Andy Serkis is going to be doing in the future will ever get him there. So I would say for that alone, I would put him ahead more so to get an honorary Oscar. Mm-hmm. I almost say Thomas Newman because we see sometimes that people get honorary Oscars and then win competitive. Mm. like Spike Lee did. So maybe just as like a boost because if they didn't do it last year, I don't know what's happening with him. Lindy Erickson, if the 2019 Best Director category was all female, who would have made the lineup? Mm. Greta Gerwig, Celine Sciamma, Lulu Wong, Olivia Wilde, and... Um, uh, Honey Boy. Alma? Alma Harrell? Alma Harrell. Yeah. 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 Anyone disagree or? No, I think no. Oh, you know what? A beautiful day in a neighborhood, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, Marielle Heller. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still think. Kind God, of I love that movie. It's a much better movie. Uh, disagree. <laughs> well, you can, but I mean, I'm like, it, like only by a matter of the slightest of degrees. But like... <laughs> Scott Kernan, despite the only generally positive reviews of Tenet, do you still consider the possibility of it getting to Best Picture due to the type of year we are in, which has ultimately led to a smaller amount of contenders competing this year? That's a tough question. Now, uh, I don't mm. think so. I think it's tax or bust. I don't really think so either. I. I don't think it ever really was. Yeah, yeah. it's that type like, of movie. Yeah. Melody Ferrella, which film has received the most unfair backlash after winning Best Picture? Unfair backlash. Hmm. You know, the um, one that comes to my mind is um, Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, I was going to say I have two, and Shakespeare in Love is one of them. I, yeah. Like, you know, that movie is a, an excellent movie on mm-hmm. it is it is, it is a, a, like really great on a technical level like the costumes production design the editing the score cinematography are all great and people like it's maddening to me because people complain all the time that you know we don't have enough comedies that get nominated in best picture and then when one does get nominated and actually wins they get all upset about it and i think that that is uh not a good look on people and it's i don't that movie is so enjoyable and so delightful to watch and so lovingly put together that like i I, it it pains me when people call it one of the worst best picture winners it's me yeah i I do want to say i do kind of like the king's speech but (laughs) that was the other one (laughs) i think it's because i'm british and that's like uh, something that we have to like, like the crown and the queen <laughs> and Pride and Prejudice, you know. Mine is Ordinary People. That's exactly what I was going to say. Glad you said it. Yeah, I, I think Ordinary People is extraordinary. But say it's celebrating its um, 40-year anniversary next month. Yeah. Yeah, the other one I was going to add in is uh, from 96, The English Patient, which I think is a remarkable film. Mm. I think Fargo should have won, but English Patient is a very deserving winner in my mind. Uh, James Scott asks, what are your thoughts on the Cuties Netflix controversy? Uh, oh, oh, boy. Good movie, bad marketing. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of don't want to wade into that one. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say um, if you're interested to check out um, Kaz's um, piece over at In Their Own League, just a little 
shameless plug here but she has seen the movie and she writes quite a lot into depth about the film and reading her article sort of gave me more context about the movie because I think people are just seeing the poster and reacting to that so um yeah that's a really in you know she's really gone into depth in that so I'd recommend people go have a look at that Ethan May at Movie Fanatic 200, taking a break from the games this week, what films do you think should be in the Criterion Collection? Oh. <laughs> Too many? <Yeah. laughs> like... <laughs> Why don't we like, name like three that we think belong in there? We could have a whole podcast on just this. But it has like, to be like realistic, though. Even still, we could have a whole podcast about just this. I mean, <laughs> there are podcasts that are dedicated to justice, actually. I know. <laughs> Maybe it's better to say what shouldn't be yeah. in a collection. <laughs> I I often joke about this, and I see covers for this everywhere all the time. But my, like, heaven help me if they ever decide to put the room in the Criterion Collection. Yes. Oh come on! Do oh it. God! No! It. It's a great film. Put it in the Criterion no. Collection. Make it a digi pack and include the Disaster Artist book along with it. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Okay, I will I will accept this if they do a The Room slash The Disaster Artist box mm. set. Like, yeah. give me both of those movies, then we can talk. <laughs> uh, if oh. you're going to go with The Room, let's just go with Birdemic and Human Centipede. No, let's no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Plan I'm joking. Nine from Outer Space, bitches. Act- I mean, actually, like, like older sci-fi horror movies, I would love to see more of those in the Criterion mm. Collection. Like, legitimately, I would. Personally speaking, and I know I mentioned this film a few seconds ago, but I cannot believe that Ordinary People still does not have a Blu-ray of any kind, and I am waiting. That's all for me again. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. (sighs) In the Criterion Collection. The other two I was thinking of were Terms of Endearment and Network. I don't think those would go because of rights issues. Yeah, the one that I keep wishing and hoping for because I have only seen it once on a big screen and was absolutely floored by it is looking for Mr. Goodbar. Ooh. And I know that it it is so dark, but it is probably Diane Keaton's best performance, some of the best cinematography of the 70s. And and I know that the reason it is not on Blu-ray yet is because of rights issues with the music, but like, oh, Lord, it deserves it. And we're going to end it here from Sam James Peck with a quick game of this or that. Rapid fire, really quickly, go. Tarantino or Scorsese? Scorsese. 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 Yes, Scorsese, yeah. Saving Private Ryan or Apocalypse Now? Apocalypse Apocalypse Now. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Apocalypse Apocalypse Now, yeah. 1917 or Dunkirk? 1917. Dunkirk. 1917. 1917. Dunkirk. Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail? Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless. Oh, that's... Uh, you've got mail, I think. I'm also going to say you've got mail, but I love them both. Stand by me or the Goonies? Stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by me. I've only well, seen I Stand by me, so that's my answer. I have famously still not seen the Goonies, so. I, but even <laughs> if I can, I still think I would say Stand by me. Yeah, same. Same, Josh. Josh and I are simpatico <laughs> on this today. <laughs> Western remakes 310 to Yuma or True Grit? Oh, True, True Grit. grit. True Grit. This is the first one that's giving me pause. Um, True Grit. I mean, I like 310 to Yuma. Yeah. But True Grit is just, oh, it's so fun. It's and so enjoyable. good. That's entertaining that from beginning. Perfect movie. 
Mrs. Doubtfire or Flubber? Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I, ad, admittedly, I have a soft spot for Flubber, but Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Come, but on. Like, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Come on. Mrs. Doubtfire is the better. But everybody knows yeah. it should be Hook. No. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be. Ford v. Ferrari or Rush? Ford v. Ferrari. Ooh. Ford v. Ferrari. Ford v. Ferrari. Ford v. Ferrari, but that was closer than I would have thought. It's very close. <laughs> it's a very close race. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> knives out or clue? Knives out. Uh, I mean, look, uh, knives uh, out is uh, obviously the better movie. Yeah, but clue. <laughs> yeah. Like that's almost not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that, but I do say knives out. Yeah. Okay. That'll do it here for this week here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, Bianca Gardner, tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm still on Twitter. You can find me at the film B, And please do check out um, In Their Own League as well, because we're really close to 3,000 followers there. So please help us out. All right. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Dan Baer. You can find me on Twitter at Dan on Film. And Michael Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at MSchwartz95. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 208 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Guys, I'll be uh, right back. My um, uh, my Roomba just went off. I'm going to just shut it off really quickly. Hold on. Oh, no. It's <laughs> How the, dare it the, clean? The, technolo- the technology has taken over. <laughs> have I to think watch this is how that movie iRobot started. <laughs> I did not kill him. That guy, makes, that guy makes a lot of noise, and he sometimes taps on my door, and I just can't have it. <laughs>